Hello, I'm Sheila Hamilton. Welcome back to Beyond Well, and welcome back to our revisit of our show featuring Carrie Cohen, author of the book, Loose Girl, a memoir of promiscuity. As we mentioned before, this is a rebroadcast of one of the earliest Beyond Well episodes we ever produced. It may be a little rough around the edges, but we know we were on to something, and it is sure fun to hear Carrie talk about her life. It was only four years ago, but it's interesting to see the point of view from which we were looking at it pre-COVID. Beyond Well, part two of our revisit with Carrie Cohen, author of Loose Girl, a memoir of promiscuity. Enjoy. I want to get to the change that the Me Too movement has made because I have heard a lot of men, and I want you all to sort of weigh in on this topic, just throw their hands up and go, you know, I don't even know how to be a man anymore. I Mm. don't know how to talk to women in my office. Mm. I don't know what's okay and what isn't okay. And it felt to me like I was watching this wild (laughs) pendulum where people are freaking out on both sides. I want you to weigh in on that if you would. I would argue that maybe they didn't know how to talk to women before, and exactly. now they're just kind of getting called out. Exactly. <laughs> and I think now the message is sort of like, yeah, how you're doing it, not so helpful. Exactly. Exactly. Not particularly thoughtful to the fact right. that the no. women are human also. All right. right. But but if we can take the most sympathetic view toward men uh, in terms of if they've been cultured a certain way, and they actually really don't know. Let's just say they actually don't know. They didn't have that or that early kind of support mm-hmm. in understanding how to be respectful and equal with a woman. Well, I I will have to just admit that um, I'm in a room with the three of you, and I'm also got a mic in front of me. So God knows how many people are going to hear me say this. And I'm and I'm the 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 delay and the dump button on my brain is just not long enough and not quick enough. The thought occurs to me, and I hope I can stand by this, <laughs> the thought occurs to me uh, when Jenna was saying, hey, we don't go ew to the girl. We go ew to the culture mm-hmm. that puts her in a place to that do this. a great this. line. Mm-hmm. That it's like, could that same thinking scooch over Definitely. to the Me Too movement and mm-hmm. say, yeah. we do want to say ew to the guy, but mm-hmm. when we go back 20, 30, 40 yeah, years fault, really. media, it's like, this is how we were told to behave. Exactly. Interesting. This I is, yeah. this is what was modeled. Yeah. yeah. The solution right? is not mm-hmm. to shame the individual. Yes. because Which is what's they, happening, unfortunately. Uh, of course. And that's right. the thing that, that really stinks right of now course. around yeah. of that course. movement. The solution, and, and that might be, there, there needs to be consequences for actions, especially if you've harmed somebody it else. Is. Absolutely. But the actual solution to this problem does not lie in the individual. It lies in changing this culture. And I mm-hmm. would say, kind of going back to something you talked about in um, Lush, was this idea of being curious, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if if you are a person of power, regardless of your gender, if you're a person of power and wondering, like, ooh, am I speaking to people in positions of lesser power in a way that feels degrading or humanizing to them, if you're wondering how to do that better, be curious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. ask some questions of other people. Um, try and read the, the expression of the person that you're speaking to and try and, like, really be curious. I wonder what it would be like to be in her shoes and hear this. Like, mm. do a little perspective taking. That's a wonderful, wonderful suggestion. Mm-hmm. Because you were coming of age um, in the AIDS crisis, I was I reading know. your memoir with just like... <clears throat> 
she's <laughs> about to say that she got AIDS, but you did admit to getting a couple of different sexually transmitted diseases. Yeah. When we come back to this, this idea of what's harmful, the new era of disease is part of the reality of this. So how do you talk to your clients about this reality? Um, I really appreciate that it took you this long in this interview to get get to that because something that really frustrated me um, when Loose Girl first came out and was getting publicity was how much there was no language in our culture for the thing I was really trying to get to. And so everyone, like I went on Dr. Phil and all he could talk about were STDs and and teenage pregnancy. Yeah. And I was just like, yeah. that's not what I'm talking about. You know, uh-huh. like, right. and I hated that. Yeah. I hate that those are the only, that's the only language we have for girls mm, having that's sex. Right. You it's know? dangerous. Yes. So dangerous. therefore don't do it. Yeah. yeah. Right. But the whole show was was about this notion of promiscuity. And there was one girl who was 14 that I did feel like, like, yeah, we probably have some mm-hmm. similar ways in which we in, engaged with with sex and boys. Um, and and then the other girl was 15 and she was like in a long-term relationship with a boyfriend. They loved each other and they were having sex. I mean, who no. cares, you know? And then their parents were on too. And when the girl with the 15-year-old girl, who again, I felt like was having like pretty healthy you yeah. know, relationship right. to sex in her life, had um, said her name, um, uh, you know, in the show, when you watch the show, right, it the says, little, yeah, the tagline uh-huh, of the, yeah. it said her name, comma, sexually active. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my I mean, God. It was horrible. And, you know, oh. and then he, and then she's the one that he really went after around like pre- pregnancy, pregnancy. And she's like, oh, we use protection. Like, oh, I was just like, this gosh. isn't, <laughs> wow, this isn't effective, you know? But what a good point of you have two, two people that look very similar, 14 and 15, mm-hmm. engaging in exactly the same behavior. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And one is potentially really problematic, and one is potentially like a great foundation for having a healthy that, sexual that's identity. That's what I wish he. How helpful would that have been yeah. had he approached well, it that you way? Could you know, ask Doctor Phil to have me take over the show, <laughs> and I will lose my psychology license just like he did. <laughs> exactly. You know, did yeah. he lose his psychology license yeah. for yeah. what? And Dr. Phil. <laughs> mm. I find right. it so fascinating exactly. that yeah. now, for now, what I always try to come away with like, oh, what did I learn today? Anytime I count, yes. anytime that I have that sort of judgment rising up in right. me, I'm going to get curious about yeah. the judgment. Where's yeah. that coming from? Where, mm-hmm. like, yeah. what's my conditioning? Yeah. It's Why? a really, it's a really nerdy way to say it, but I think Jenna and I both come from a school of thought that says function over form. Yeah, yeah. function over yeah. form. Yeah. Always, it's, always, always. Because we yeah. get so caught up in the topography of a behavior, mm-hmm. like what That's does right. it look like, and how many times, mm-hmm. and where, and exactly. blah blah blah. And it's really about like what sorts of levers is that behavior pulling it's just a vehicle to advance something like i know it's the something that matters your big wound wasn't all the sex it was like this like like where's my connection and who's looking out for me exactly yes exactly and i know this is kind of near and dear your heart sheila but like that goes for every single behavior including something like Mm -hmm. suicide like from Mm -hmm. kind of where brian and i our philosophical stance is there's no inherent in fact, there is no behavior outside of context. Therefore, you can't judge a behavior outside mm. of context. Yeah. If you think about something like suicide that I think everybody at this table would say, what a tragedy. There are contexts where that could be the most values-based right. towards move, as we call it. Like you're in the middle of the village 
and th- somebody throws a grenade and you throw your body on that grenade to like save all the kids that are standing around mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Like m- maybe that's an example, a very extreme example though, of how even something like suicide that we so pathologize so agree. could be a towards move. Now the vast majority of the time, suicide is the ultimate I can't feel this anymore, so I have to get away from it. Right. But that's why I think Brian and I are always going to be on this place of like, and what's that behavior in the service of? Is it moving you towards something? What's the function of the behavior? And then we can start talking about, do you want to make changes that's on That's so it? interesting that you say that because um, Sophie's dad, um, in, in I thought was in pretty incredible moments of empathy and clarity telling me that the future that he foresaw for himself was under the Burnside Bridge and Sophie as a teenager being so mm. ashamed of who her father mm. was. He really was thinking, Right. he, was not th- he wasn't just thinking of his right. own psychic pain, right. of his yeah. own failures, of his and own humiliation. So happens, right? He was thinking of this is how I'm going to be. It's going to get worse yeah. because every doctor has told me it's going to get worse. Right. And my future is going to bring shame on my family. Yep. And so, you know, it's it's fascinating that you talk about that because I don't hold any anger, animosity. Wow. I have mm-hmm. only forgiven him for that choice because wow. I think what you just said is absolutely the case. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that it's a selfish choice, as people say, which exactly. drives me crazy. That drives me crazy too. Yeah. I just think that the complications of of that situation that he was in was unworkable for him. And yeah. and the exact same place we got to in this conversation applies to that. Like, and what kind of a cultural context are we creating where somebody who gets a diagnosis of bipolar or whatever it is, is given the message and now your life is over oh, and God, you're going right? to be totally useless. Oh, I mean, not, like, just, not just your life is over, but you should probably give up custody of your child. Uh, You should quit your job because it's causing you too much stress. Your life is defined by this illness. Mm. You need to just walk around being bipolar disorder. And I I was just like, you've got to be kidding me. I couldn't couldn't believe it. That's the point of the show, at least as far as I understand it from, and kind of like why I was excited to be a part of it is oh, what if we could start having different conversations about that could change that context? Yeah. So it stops being about, yeah, what's wrong with 14-year-old girls that they're starting to sleep with people? Mm -hmm. And it's more about, wow, what kind of context are we bringing up our boys and our girls so that this is becoming really problematic for them? Yeah. Yeah. So I do want to get back to the question of harm. We don't freak out and we just get responsible human beings who do the right thing to protect their health. Mm-hmm. Well, and also um, also something, um, and people don't love that I do this, but I'm probably one of the few people who says uh, to those around me who, let's say, are having a bunch of, of sex with uh, different people and they're choosing as long as, you know, same thing, staying curious as mm-hmm. opposed to making a judgment around it, who, for instance, hate condoms and just will not use them. And it's like, you know, and like your like your eyes just mm-hmm. opened like, how could somebody? But the thing is, is that 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 is their choice. Mm-hmm. And I and I don't want them to feel judged or shamed around it. And I feel like our culture does. But the truth is, is that's, you know, and yes, I get it. It's kind of like, you know, you get a vaccine, not just for yourself, but to protect 
the community, you know. Yeah. Um, and there's so there's something similar in there. But as long as there's um, honesty and, and well, not as long as I mean, obviously, it's a problematic choice. But I, I think keeping the shame out of it and staying curious around, well, why and what 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 is that choice about? And is, you know, and exploring it as opposed to just shutting it down around. Well, that's you got to put it. You got to put something on that thing or, you're, huh. you know, because what's the consequence if we say, well, you're a bad person then. Exactly. Like, that's just wrong. So is, right. is the outcome is that of helpful? that, are they going to actually say, oh, okay, you're right. So yeah. now I'm going to use a kind of, <clears throat> no, they're, they're going to lie. They're going to do all sorts of other things. The behavior will hide. just go underground. Exactly. And now that of you've course. said I'm a bad person. Right. Yes. Not only right. does that descriptive, but it's prescriptive. Yes. Exactly. And it's like, well, you know what bad people do. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. You know? And at the same time, like if I'm talking about the people either in my life or my clients, like thinking mostly about my clients here, like I really, really care about my clients. Yes. I care yes. about their well-being. Yes. And so if they're doing something that I know is putting them in harm's way, I'm going to be totally frank about this is where my heart is. I really care about you, and I know you're putting yourself in harm's way with this. And it gets to be your choice, so let's explore what that choice is. So I don't condone it. I'm very, very open with my folks about, like, I am, like, a safer sex. Like, I could hold the banner for that. <laughs> <laughs> really. but, but you also made a great point, Jenna, about it, the, the shaming behavior actually becomes the yeah. thing. Can I hop in on just, bef- yeah. just before the shame thing, the, the, the business about the conversation, Jenna, mm-hmm. that you're talking about having with clients and this and this thing about, like, you got to think through this. Just, just asking the question and having the conversation, right. that... It isn't so much I've got to steer you to the direct to the to the place where you put a condom on, or if right. we were talking about right. drinking, so that you you know you go to a party and then you stay there, or you get an Uber or something like that. It's slowing it down and asking the question. To me, at least, seems like there's a much better chance that you're going to make a decision from a place of wisdom, absolutely, as opposed to just this emotion mind thing. I mean, like you've got That's the right. reasonable thing, mm-hmm. the really logical thing over here that mm-hmm. says. Hey, I don't need to do this. I don't really know that I'm going to want to later. Blah, blah, blah. And then you've got this emotion mind thing, right? That's just like, <laughs> hell yes, right now, mm-hmm. That's all right. of you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you That's know? Right. That's right. And this wiser place has got a foot in both of those worlds. Mm-hmm. That's like, I want to pay attention to how I feel and what's going on inside of me and be mindful of that. But I also want to, if I slow down, it's like, is there a way to do this that harm reduces mm-hmm. for me? Yeah. Okay, yeah. back to shame. Okay, so shame. <laughs> yeah, shame. shame. Well, well, this is, you know, I love, I just to, to say something quickly. Yeah. We're I love, never going to get to shame. No, we'll get to shame. Oh, this is related. Shame. It's, related, it's related to shame, actually. Ryan, I am in the room. We will get to shame. <laughs> Sweet. I just want to say, I love, I love, um, I guess if I could, if I could formulate a, a, a sense of, of what my uh, quote unquote goal, I hate the word goal, is with all of my clients is is developing that higher wisdom yeah. self mm. pretty much solely, you know, and because there's so much of this and this, so this is moving into shame. There's so much of this, of this uh, thing that lead, that is a part of shame, which is about people, uh, people feeling both that they, they can't be trusted, um, but have been made to feel like, yeah, like they don't like, like they're not trustworthy and then they don't trust themselves and nobody's trusting them, you know? And I feel like, like, all of us need to be trusted. I mean, I feel that way with my, you know, my now 13-year-old boy. I'm mm. just like, 
my biggest goal for him is to feel like I trust him. Yeah. And that's my job actually, not his. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um so this and I think that's so connected to the shame. Mm-hmm. But but please, yeah. you're yeah. apparently you're the shame wizard. So <laughs> well I, I don't know if I'm the shame wizard. I did grow up Catholic. Does oh, that help? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. That's Thank a you. huge part of it. Yes. <laughs> it's in my blood. Mm. Well, I guess if we're gonna talk about shame, I first have to out myself and say I'm probably one of In a minority, well, I don't know if I'm in a minority, but among psychologists, um, I don't feel that shame is inherently problematic. Um, So there are some folks who, and Brian's raising his hand, Brian's in my camp. You think it is, Brian? I already am in your camp. Oh, you are? Oh, I completely agree. I love that. So we we do this thing that we like shame, shame, and like you shouldn't be feeling shame. And like I stand from the place that all our emotions serve functions, right? And right. so shame can serve this really helpful function of letting us know when we have broken important kind of moral rule, our own sort of moral code and what's important to us. Shame is useful if it also, if there's a way for us to repair that kind of harm that we've done. Then if there's a path back and shame can actually be really useful. And I actually think that's part of the problem with the Me Too movement is we're getting really yeah. great at being able to say, ouch, like, no, you can't talk to me that way or I don't like that. We haven't yet gotten to the place of, and here's how you get back. That's exactly right. That's right. Yes. Yeah. I completely agree. So so first I did want to say I don't think shame is always bad. But I think mo- much of the time what shame does is it tends to just make us hide. That's the action tendency with shame. It like turns us inward and we want to hide. Mm-hmm. And that shuts down learning and curiosity. Uh Mm -hmm. And so that's the problem that I have with shame, whether it has to do with shame about your body or sex or your behavior. Like we learn and then can change and do things that are more useful when we're curious. Mm -hmm. And shame most of the time doesn't allow for that. Because, Carrie, you have um, you've referred to what you were going through. And perhaps I don't even know if you if you believe it now as a sex addiction is it the kind of addiction that you believe you'll always fight that impulse to, you know, if you're not thinking in, in a mindful way about what's going on, that, that if you're overwhelmed or if you're lonely or if you're something, sex is going to be the thing that your brain reverts to? Well, interestingly, I think um, uh, it's sex and love addiction. And I think over time, the thing that's been harder to, or that takes me, uh, that I possibly will always struggle with is more of the love part. Mm. Um, because really that's the core of it and always was. Yeah. Um, and, and is more of, again, the struggle with the word addiction. Cause it's just, I, I, I wasn't loved in ways that I needed. And so my, you know, my brain got formed around that, around intimacy. And so that's, that's the part that I'll always struggle with. And sex was just a tool inside of that. So, mm-hmm. so, um, so no, I don't think I'll, I already don't struggle around the sex part of it and don't do the things that I used to do when, when I'm sad or, or lonely or anything like that. Um, um, but the, the wound the wound remains remains the same, and the wound was at its core more about the love part. So, mm. do you it, notice how compassionate that is? Yeah, like that is such a much more compassionate stance, right? Than, wow, so like, wow, you were such a slut, and yeah. what was wrong with you? Why totally. were you so broken that you made those really mm. bad choices? Were yeah. you an addict? Like, yeah. I just I love thinking that. about that in terms of, yeah, I didn't get some of those basic needs met. 
And so it sort of makes sense that for, you know, probably most of the rest of my life, that's going to be really important to me. I'm going to be really make, focused on making sure I try and get that intimacy need met. Yeah. Which yeah. is a very, very yeah. human need. It's why we have right. like attachment Absolutely. theory, yeah, right? That's right. Mm, that's and when right. we and when we talk this way, and we're talking about what were the unfulfilled or right. unmet needs, and the compassionate tone of this, just note how far we are away from some number. Yes, exactly. Uh, yeah. Where we right. started, right? Wow, exactly. Like, what yeah. the hell does that have to do with it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right? Yep. Well, I will tell you that it sold a lot of books. <laughs> I mean, it did. really, the title, the number. Yeah. But uh, it pulls the, people in and then it's a bait yeah. and switch. That's right. But Which is what I wanted. In the best way. Uh, yeah. In the That's best what way. I wanted. Is yeah. It pulls people in and it's like That's why I went slut, on Dr. Phil. promiscuity, yes. number, and yes. then it's like, hey, this is really, this was currency right? for something that we're not talking about. Yes. You know, and I actually sort of am thinking that, Sex is also a currency for men. No question. For things that of they course. want that has nothing to do with sex. And I'm still waiting for that memoir. Be- from you know, oh, yeah. I've had a number of men mm-hmm. that I have known um, talk about wanting to, but they they haven't done it. They won't do it. And uh, one of them had a great title too, called Pervert, which is like the perfect title. Yeah, um, that's good. It, that basically shows the male side of it because yeah. I feel like the um, in ge- all we have thus far from men are sex addict memoirs, which yeah. is not what we're talking about. No. Right. Mm-hmm. In the same way that Loose Girl is actually not about sex and love addiction; mm-hmm. it's just about being female. And I, that's what I would love for and culture. And culture tells men how they're supposed to be that's sexually. What I mean. Absolutely, I mean, porn is causing problems for everyone. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. so I want to ask about that because if if there's somebody listening and the reason that they tuned in was because they thought, oh, I'm I've been having a problem. I consider myself a sex addict. At least my partner is telling me I'm a sex addict, or somebody else is saying I'm a sex addict. How does one know if they actually do? have a problem what mm-hmm. what's the sort of outline for understanding that mm-hmm. well my definition of do you have a problem with anything is is this behavior that you're engaging in getting in the way of you being the kind of person that you want to be in this world so mm-hmm. kind of i root everything in this idea of values values are like who you want to be in the world and then anything that is helping you be more of that person like awesome And if it isn't helping you be more of that person, then it might be something that you want to shift. And so that's how I would talk with people, whether they're having sex with their one monogamous partner or they're having they're in a polyamorous relationship or they're in no relationships. It, It doesn't matter to me. It's like is the way that you're using your body and your sexuality and your intimacy helping you express and be more of the kind of person you want to be in this world? Another way to look at that, I'm sorry, I, I know no, you no. weren't. Uh, another way uh, to think of that too is, is um, are, are you engaged with sex and love in your life in a way that is, is actually preventing connection? Oh, yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. That's really Absolutely. wonderful to think about not that. Only yeah. Not, yeah. not only not advancing yes. the values that you most care about and the way yes. you want to be, but actually interfering with it. Yes. yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, we try every week to leave people with just a little bit of wisdom and got, I hear it and I don't even need you to go back over it, but is there anything that we haven't said that could be helpful for someone either who suffered that kind of early trauma around it and they can't kind of get over to that place when you did your original hier- hierarchy of what happens with women and why they go away from sex If we could give them a little bit of thinking about it or for a person who's using sex in a way that's harmful to other people and themselves, 
can we can we think about some tools for people to take home some listening or or thinking tools i think i think carrie actually the way that you brought in that compassion piece is such an important starting place if you are if you're if you're struggling with this or feeling badly about how sex is working in your life pausing to be able to take a moment of compassion and saying like oh wow like that sort of sucks that you know i'm struggling in this way is then going to allow you to address it in a way that is much more useful that isn't a shame based sort of response. So I would say the first thing to do is to have a sense of compassion that this is tough. Like we don't live in a culture that teaches us how to have healthy sexuality, male, female, anywhere on the continuum. So of course you don't know. And that's pretty amazing that you want to make some changes to help you get more of the actual intimacy needs that you might have. Wonderful. Mm. Yeah. 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 I, I think, um, couple thoughts. One, even though this is something that I may have to take care of or solve, I didn't necessarily cause the problem. That's such a good idea that the Mm -hmm. idea that, you know, you may have to solve your problems, but you didn't cause them and Mm -hmm. that behaviors happen in a context. And we've been Mm -hmm. talking a lot about cultural context or perhaps a family of origin context Mm -hmm. or sexual history context. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I think where we wound up with the the why over the what. Mm-hmm. I think it's easy to get into uh, numbers or or like salacious kind of uh, war stories, mm-hmm. like here's the craziest thing I've done, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, oh, if my story isn't as crazy, then it's not. I mean, this happens, I think, in AA meetings. Oh, yeah. Where people, their bottom wasn't as bottom as somebody else's right. bottom, and it's like, oh, I'm not bad enough to be here. Mm-hmm. And, and we get caught up in what the thing looks like as opposed to, like, what was it doing yeah. for you? And, and like Jenna, actually both of you are saying, does this move us toward something important to us? Does it advance something? Is it a vehicle for something that we care about, or is it pulling us in the other direction? Mm-hmm. Can, I, can I add yes. to that, though? Um, yes. Wonderful. And when we're talking about, because we talked a lot about like noticing how we feel, like noticing our sensations, and that's fantastic. And when we're making this evaluation of, is this working for us? I would encourage people to not just look in the short run, because like, probably it's feeling pretty good during the middle of sex like well, yeah, for everything, a lot of people everything right, we right. do if we do it over <laughs> right, and over again right. it works yeah. that's why we do it right, and exactly. then we have podcasts like this because yeah. it doesn't and right. both are true right. both are true right. Right. Yeah. right so i do think it's important to pay attention to our sensations and how things feel and making decisions not based on how it feels in the moment but rather is this helping me be the person i uh, want to be in the uh, long run right yeah that's Amen. great Carrie, your kids, you have two, mm-hmm. and I'm wondering, um, you have this memoir that's now how how many years old? Mm, just about 10. Okay, so these kids are gonna, going to come of age and see this memoir. How are you prepared to speak with them about this particular time in your life and what you went through? Well, I mean, I already have. They're, oh, wow. They're, uh, so my older one is autistic, so it's a whole different thing, um, and my younger one is 13, but I've, so I have, I have teenagers. Yeah. Um, so they already know about it. Um, they uh, don't, I mean, it's funny whenever people ask me that because, you know, my my sons are like, like, yeah, I don't care, mom. 
You know what I mean? They're just sort we're of like so bored by your story, Mom. Like you know, we're tired. Yeah, we're tired of you in general, and and you thinking that you matter so much. That's you know, hilarious. so that so, is truly hilarious. So it's more so like I've used what I learned from writing that book um, to try to be um, a better parent to my boys and try to help my mm-hmm. boys um, be able to conceptualize more around sex and love than they get in their sex ed class. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and to think mm-hmm. about all the yeah. things that we've been talking about in here um, and, uh, and, and, and about gender, about the ways, the messages that both mm-hmm. boys and girls get. And, mm-hmm. and um, so it's more so that. And so I'm not, and I'm not, also, I'm not ashamed. You know, I don't feel shame around like, oh, now your kids know you had sex. It's like, well, um, <laughs> 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 you know what I mean? Like, I, and and also, and also they don't they're not in, they don't know I'm not like making them read it you know what I mean right. like yeah they don't want to they just don't particularly want to be a part of it so it's mm-hmm. more like it's like I like to think of it instead as the person who wrote that book is parenting these kids and mm. that's more that was so beautiful yeah that's such a good spot to end on I want to thank of course Jenna and Brian and Carrie Cohen that was you. really really fun to get to know Thanks you so much Carrie. yeah thank, thank you. you so much yeah, yeah. You guys-